Bibles. Got your Bible with you? Hold it up. Got your Bible? Raise it up. I don't see how many people brought your Bibles. And that includes iPhones. Yeah, I'll see that. Smart people. I've got my smartphone. Makes me smarter. Right? I've used that more and more. I've used my Bible up that more and more in my iPhone. It's just, man, use the tools that God gives you. Or Sprint or whoever. Apple. Use those tools, okay? Uh, I, my favorite, one of my favorite apps, if you don't have a Bible app, is Bible Gateway. So check it out. It's free, and it gives you all the translations, the verse of the day. Uh, and then the other one's Blue Letter Bible. If you like to look the Greek and the Hebrew and all that, Blue Letter Bible is a free app. I mean, I'm sure there are many, many, many more. That's a couple that I use because I just am familiar with them. I like to use them. We've had the last couple of Wednesday nights, I don't know how many of you have been here, but we've, we've shown these uh, videos by Jonathan Kahn, the Harbinger, and the uh, Second Shaking. So we've been doing that because we feel like we're in, uh, we're in a Shemitah year, and uh, Shemitah year is, is in the Jewish calendar in the cycle, and we're in the, that seven-year period where there has been, uh, in the history of the United States, in the last uh, cycles of seven years, there's been a lot of tragedy. Uh, and people look at those things, and they see patterns. You know, God's a God of patterns, and things that, that we've seen before, he'll, you'll see them again in a different way. But, uh, you know, the 9-11, that was, that was the year of, and then the, the stock market crashed right after that, and then, and then 2008, it happened again, the worst stock market crash in America. And now this, we're heading into another, the end cycle of the Shemitah, which is in 2015, which would be September. And then the year of Jubilee begins. I don't know if many of y'all follow those things. Now, this has also been a year that we've had blood, blood moons. How many of you have known that? You've heard that in the news about the blood moons. And we've seen, uh, uh, especially in America, we've, we've seen a continual downturn in the morals of America with, with the, with the uh, justice of the, the Supreme Court justices making that decision, uh, saying same-sex marriage was okay and, and saying that was a good thing. So we've seen... Uh, the America and the things that have happened, even Roe v. Wade happened in a Shemitah year in the same time period. It's, it's amazing. If you go out and do any studies of that, you'll find out that there are a lot of patterns that have taken place. And all these cycles it seem to cycle us down, 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 down. And we are not going in the direction that God would have us to go. That's what I believe. And God would have us, to, I believe, to, as, as Randy even shared this morning, as he shared scriptures and prayed, that God's calling us to be a people of prayer and us to be a people of morals and good character and, and us to, to begin to stand where maybe the church we haven't stood before. So 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul is talking to the church there. And in the previous verses, because it says, starts out with a B-U-T, but he always, he's, he's, when he says that, that means there's something previously that's happened. Uh, they're asking him, they're asking about the second coming. And they say, well, what, if, what about those that have died before Jesus comes back? And he says, well, don't worry about that. He says, the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and then those who, those who are here are going to be caught up with him in the air. And all those things that make people wonder, how that, how's that going to look if we're already with Christ? Because it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Those that have already passed on, if they're present with the Lord, I can't really give you all the, the explanations and maybe that would even satisfy. And I'm, I'm not here to do that. I, w- I want to go to the next chapter, and I want you to understand that they were asking the questions then that people are, should be asking now. What's about to happen? And they were asking those questions 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, Paul was expecting Jesus to come back in his lifetime. Did you know that? 
And here's me. I'm not a great mathematician, but I'm thinking this. If they were expecting him 2,000 years ago to come back, we are 2,000 years closer to his return than Paul was. Correct? So we're way closer than Paul was. And I see those signs that God has given us. He's given us signs of, of his second coming. He's given us warning signs. We're going to look at a couple of those this morning. But he's given us all these warning signs. And I don't know if you can see them, but they're pretty, they're pretty much in our face right now about the way the world, the condition of the world that it's in and how it seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. And he says we are supposed to be a certain kind of people in this time. We are supposed to live a certain way in this time. And listen, I want to share the word from me. This is the word of God that's going to go forth today. And I'm telling you, please have ears to hear what the Spirit is speaking through His word today. Do y'all believe that we're in serious times? Okay. We are. So you got your Bibles? Turn to first, uh, first Thessalonians chapter 5. I want to read 11 verses. And then we're going to kind of expound really briefly on those and move on toward what the, the X word is for today, and that's extinguish. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. So that's the way it's going to come. For when they say, and that's the world, peace and safety, everybody's going, oh, everything's good, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. Now, I'm not, I've never been pregnant. I've looked that way at times in my life, but I've never been pregnant. But I've, my wife has, and we've had two children, and I know something a little bit about labor pains. When he talks about suddenly, the suddens, the labor pains come, but they're, you don't have the baby suddenly. Everything is leading up to it, right? Women, how many of you have had a baby? Your first labor pains were not the most intense as the last ones, were they? They weren't as close together as the last ones, were they? So you start out with labor pain, and oh, that's when, oh, I think I just, I think I just had a contraction. And, and then that's when the husband goes, what's that? <laughs> and then you have them a little closer and a little closer, and that's when the husband, husband starts sweating. You know, you're having the baby, but he's sweating. And they get a little closer, and they get a little bit more intense, and then the time comes when you say, we need to go to the hospital, right? Because that suddenly has already been... There's, there's been steps leading up to the sudden happening about what's to happen when the baby comes into the world. Well, that's what's happening, I believe, in our world today. We're seeing birth pains. We're seeing those, those contractions, and they're getting closer and closer together. They're getting more intense and more intense and more intense. And listen, guys, we need to be ready. Matter of fact, we need to be in labor, if I can use that term. We need to be working I know people say, well, everything's about grace. Listen, we need to be working. You know the best way you can be a worker in the kingdom of God is to pray. Labor in prayer. Be on your knees in prayer. Because I believe when we're heading to the, toward these times that he's speaking about here. And he says, listen, when these things come, they, those that, that say peace and safety, everything's cool. They don't know Jesus. Listen, it says, they shall not escape. But you, brethren are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Say, I am not in darkness. Isn't that a good thing? So we're not overtaken like the, when the thief comes. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. All right, there's the first thing he says. Let us watch and be sober. 
Have watchman eyes. Watch in the spirit. Be sober. Be alert. Therefore, let us not sleep. Be sober. But those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on this, 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 this armor, the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath. I want to stop right there. For God did not appoint us to wrath means that we don't have an appointment as Christians with wrath, the wrath of God. That's a hallelujah. No, y'all said amen. I said that's a hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) That's that's a hallelujah. Amen. That's an amen. You guys. I'll get you. What he means is because of who we are in Christ, we don't we've already been judged, saved. We are not going to go through the wrath. And aren't you thankful for that, that you're not going to face the wrath of God because the wrath of God is something I, nobody really wants to face. But he says for us to put on this breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of salvation. And we get this. But we, don't, we, don't make, we don't have to have an appointment with God for the wrath, but we obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. Listen to this, that whether we are awake or asleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also doing. I love it for Christians that we're always in a win-win situation. Right? Whether we're alive or where we go to be with Jesus, we, got it both, we, we win both ways. That's why we're not to fear death as Christians. I mean, you're not, you don't have to be that excited about dying. <laughs> but we never are to fear death as believers because it just says there we, we don't. The wrath, we, we miss that appointment. That's one of those appointments you want to miss, right? See, Paul, Paul's speaking this to this church, and he's speaking the, uh, of about something that's going to take place that Jesus had already said in Matthew 24. He said, therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The Bible goes on to say that Jesus doesn't even know the day or the hour. The Father knows the day or the hour. See, we are the bride of Christ. Sam, the bride of Christ. I know some guys are not really happy about that, but we are. We are the bride of Christ. And the father has a son. The son is the groom. The son is Jesus Christ. And he is preparing a mansion for you and for me, right? And he says, if I prepare a mansion, I am going to go and I'm going to receive you to myself. There is a day coming when the father said, it's all ready, son. Go get your bride. That's how they did Jewish uh, uh, weddings back in the day. They don't do them so much anymore. But the father, and we, if he had a son, and uh, he would say, hey, son, we've got to build an addition onto our house. And when we get it all ready, then you can go bring your bride, and then we can have a wedding ceremony, and we'll live together happily ever after. But that's what's going to happen. Jesus is going to, he's going to, he's waiting for the father to say, go get him, son. Go get your bride. And when that happens, guys, there's not going to be any time to make any more preparation. My Bible says he's going to come like the twinkling of an eye. That was it. Y'all see that, qu- that twinkle? That's a blink. It's actually faster than a blink. That's how fast he's going to appear. And people say, oh, I'll have time to prepare. No, we prepare now. We prepare now. Jesus went on to say in Matthew 24, Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give him food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. I want to talk to you about that scripture just a little bit. I was, I was looking and I thought, what does that really mean, Lord? And, and for me, it meant that, you know, you know what I do every Sunday? I feed you. 
That's what I do. I'm feeding you the word. I'm sowing seeds, right? And some people, the seeds, some of you, I'm not going to say some of you. I don't even want to speak that over you. But in times past, maybe, I've sown seed and it's fallen on rocky soil. It's fallen on unfertile soils, un- unfertile ground, unreceiving ground. It's just it's dr- it's dropped off like concrete. It hits you, pow, it just falls off. I mean, I was, a, I, was, I was young once, and the preachers sowed a lot of seeds on me, and man, the seeds just hit me, and they just fell off. They didn't affect me. Till one day, I, the, the, the seed stuck. And it was, I had fertile soil. I wanted to receive what God had for me. I was, I was, needing, I was needing something. I was needing help. I was needing hope. And the, and the seed stuck, and it began to grow within me. Listen, that's what I do. I sow seeds. But listen, you are to sow seeds also. We're all, we're all, you know, when you're sowing seeds, you're feeding people. Those seeds grow. Those seeds become fruit, and they grow. And listen, God's called us. He says it right there, to give them food in due season. He's called us to be faithful while we're waiting for him to return. And I'm asking you this morning, what are you doing in the meantime in the waiting period? Now, I want to give you four things that that I believe that are crucial for us as a church body in the next few verses. Four things, if you want to take notes this morning, and I think the the headings are going to be on the screen. But Paul continues on to give instructions to the church at Thessalonica. He's really been, he's really been applauding them. He said, man, you're the light. You're not darkness. You're awake. You're alert. You got the, you got the breastplate of love on. You got your faith working. Man, he was just, you're sober. You're, man, he was, really, he was really lifting them up and exhorting them. But the first thing I want you to see in the next verse, in verse 12 and 13, is to recognize those in authority. In these last days, it is more, it's imperative, listen, for you to recognize authority. Authority is huge in the body of Christ. God has placed me in a place of authority. Uh, I don't know. I, I just came down here just to let you know I'm just, I'm the same level as you, but I'm not the same level as you. You understand that? It's not because I'm anybody. It's because of the position God has put me in. I, I, I will tell you, I'm the, I'm the last guy that wants to micromanage a church. Ask the staff. I don't like to micromanage. I don't want to control y'all. I don't want to have a... Uh, listen, being an authority over somebody doesn't mean you want to control people and make them do things that they don't, need, that they don't necessarily want to do or believe that they could do or should do. You don't understand what I'm saying? But when God says there's an authority and there's an order in the church, he means that because he wants there to be order and he wants there to be peace and not chaos in the body. So when you, when I had this, there's, there's a couple here. I dealt with this this week and I told him I used them as an example earlier, but I didn't use their name. And Randy and any other pastors that are here this morning, you'll identify with this. They had a real struggle with membership. I had a real struggle with membership. I was brought up in a church that didn't have membership. They just, if you came three Sundays in a row, you were a member. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, isn't that the way it is here? <laughs> I've been here six weeks. I must be a member. They get, I get emails. I must be a member. I'm an e- I get Facebook. I must be a member. But they were, they were concerned about membership. And I was concerned about membership, too. When we were part of the FCCM, it's a, it's a, it was an organization of churches that's no longer there anymore. But I went to one of the elders and one of the apostles there, and I said, what about membership? We, we're struggling with it. We're not sure how to do it. He said, listen, there's an order in the church. You need to have membership. He said, I struggle with that, too. But he said, they need to know that they're responsible to you. But also, you need to know you're responsible to them. It works both ways. 
And so when people come here and say, well, I want to be a part of a Freedom Fellowship. I want to be a member there. We have, we, we have, we say, go to our website. Look at what we believe. Watch the video. If you believe and agree with the things that we teach and believe and you know, it's, it's overall, not every little jot and tittle, but you're, on, you're in, on the same page with us and you're in unity with what we believe. Listen, and God's saying this is where you're supposed to plant. Then come under the submission, the authority of the church here. Say, yes, I want to be a member. Okay? Some people don't want to be a member of anything. You know why? They don't want responsibility. They just want to freelance. They want to be Lone Rangers. And I'm telling you, I didn't see any Lone Rangers in the Bible. They're all connected. He says, forsake not the assembling of yourself together with God's people. And he wants us to be together. So one of the things he says in the scripture is to recognize authority. Let me read that verse for you. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you. And are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Well, listen, when you submit to authority, that doesn't mean you agree with everything I I say. But if you don't agree with something I say, you need to come in and talk to me about it. If, if we teach something here and you go, I don't get that at all. I, I, think you're, I think you're teaching an error. Listen, don't go to your neighbor and tell them that. Don't go to the people at work. Don't go to the, your, your, your best buddy. Come and talk to me. Come to talk to, El, uh, to Basil. Come and talk to one of our staff. Let's sit down and talk about it. Amen? Can we do that? Because membership is in, Listen, he says when you do this, there's going to be peace among you. There's not going to be a division. You know how the devil works? One of his most wicked tools and most evil schemes is bring division in the body of Christ. He wants to divide moms and dads. He wants to divide parents and their children. He wants to divide people within the body of ministries in the body. He wants to bring chaos into ministries. And I've been bragging on the food pantry, and I want to brag on them a little bit more because I believe that's one of the most dynamic ministries we've ever seen in our church body. I've seen, we've seen more salvations because you know what we're doing? We're humbling ourselves. There's order down there. There's not chaos anymore. There are people coming in there. They, they have a system. They have order. They get, they get fed. They get prayed for. They get ministered to. They get food. And more than anything, they get Jesus because there's order. And our priority is Jesus Christ in that order. So, number one, we need to understand God wants order in his house. Submit to the authorities over you. Submit to those who are above you because that's what creates order. Number two is to keep your house in order. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 and 15 says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Listen, that means... That you and me are responsible to each other. When you, ha- when you see a brother or a sister in Christ, I'm very, very serious. When you see them and they are in open rebellion to the word of God, man, they are flaunting their sin. I'm not saying you're going to go nitpick somebody's sin life because if you do that, they'll do that to you, right? <laughs> I'm talking about somebody that openly is rebelling against God, against God's word, what the church teaches. And listen, and they're doing that and they're flaunting it. It is your responsibility because of your love for them to go and bring correction to them. (laughs) I don't want to do that, Pastor. I'll leave that to you. That's your job. No, he said, listen, we exhort you to warn those who are unruly. Comfort. Listen. If they're unruly in the body of Christ, you know what you do? You love them enough to bring them back into the the body. 
Keep the division away. Comfort the faint heart. There are people right now that are so worried about end times. I don't know if I should stock up like 12 cases of toilet paper and 14 cases of water and buy a lot of tuna. They don't know. They're worried. There's fear that is creeping in. They need to be comforted. The faint-hearted. He said, you know what true religion is? It's taking care of widows and orphans. That's true religion, according to the book of James. We need to come alongside one another and encourage one another, especially those that are weak, especially those baby Christians. And he says to be patient with all. Listen, if, you're not, if you feel like you're gonna be, you've been called to be a pastor and you have not exercised or lived in the gift of patience, I would, I would caution you. Listen, if you're a pastor, you've got to have patience. You really do. Third thing, three constants of a Christian life. Three constants of a Christian life. What's the shortest Bible verse? See, y'all thought that Jesus wept. There's another two-word verse in the Bible. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Pray without what? Without ceasing. What else? In everything, give thanks. Read it. For, for this, the will of God in Christ Jesus. For you. Can we read that whole scripture together? Okay. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give what? Thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You want a recipe for being in the will of God? Those three things. Those three things. Rejoice always. That doesn't mean you're happy all the time, does it? I know people that seem to be happy all the time. Uh, we can, you can put on a pretty good front trying to be happy. Happy, happiness depends on happenings. Did you know that? It's not the same thing as joy. He says to rejoice always. When I think of rejoicing, I think of the peace of God that lives within me. I think of, of knowing that God never leaves me or forsakes me. No matter what the situation I'm facing, I feel like uh, with God in me and th- living through me and, and encouraging me by the Spirit that I can, I can stay in a constant state of joy almost all the time. But that's what he's called us to do. He said, the joy of the Lord is what? Our strength. So it's to rejoice always. Then he says to pray without ceasing. Some people go, what does that mean, Pastor? I'm, I'm going to tell you. I don't exactly know what that means. Except this, that we're always in fellowship with God when we're obedient and walking with him and listening to him and knowing that he's a breath away, he's a heartbeat away, he's a thought away. That's a constant with uh, uh, constantly staying in communication with God because we're not always, always, are we always praying? Some of you are not praying right now. I and mean, you think, I should be. <laughs> but you're not praying, you're listening. But prayer is a, is a two-way thing, is a communication with God. So when you're always keeping the channel open, always having access to Him and Him having access to you, listen, that's the continual prayer that I think that He's talking about there. Pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean you're going down the street and you shut your eyes down the throughway and start praying the Father, you know, our Father in heaven, help me not to hit this car. Right? So we're to, we're to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and then in everything, not for everything, but in everything to give thanks. When's the last time you just thanked him for the things that were going on in your life that didn't look so good? Just in those things, he's doing a work, right? So in everything, always give thanks. Here is the opposite of that. If you want to know the opposite of that, 
this is a person I would never want to be hanging out with. Always complaining, never praying, and ungrateful in everything. And some of you go, well, I know that person. <laughs> Always complaining, never grateful, never happy, never joyful. Prayer life is zero. And that should not be the that should not be a description of a Christian. Rejoice always, praying without ceasing, giving thanks and everything. That should be. Amen. Three constants of a Christian life. And the fourth one is do not extinguish the spirit. Say extinguish. Excuse me. Many times we talk about extinguish in a. uh, Well, we talk about extinguish in different ways. In Ephesians 6, it talks about the breastplate of right. I mean, the shield of faith that what extinguishes or puts out or quenches every fiery dart of the enemy, right? The wicked one. All those darts that are shot, the enemy shoots at you. If you've got your shield of faith up, the Bible says if you're walking in faith, all those fiery darts are going to be quenched. They're going to be put out. But what I want to talk about this morning is that there's the, the fire that shouldn't be put out. And that's the Holy Spirit. Okay. We're going to look at this one verse, and we could go on and preach all the rest of the verses, but we really don't have time, so I want to stop at verse 19 this morning. Do not quench the Spirit. Say that with me. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not put out the fire of the Spirit. So everything up until now, he's been talking about verse 1 through 18 and what the church is supposed to be about, and then he capsulizes, he comes to the end, he says, but do not quench the Spirit, because he knows if... You're going to try to do all those other things without the Spirit. Listen, you're going to be spinning your wheels. You're going to be stuck. You're going to be upset. You're going to be frustrated because so many of us, even as Christians, we try to do things in our flesh. We do them apart from the Spirit of God, and it's frustrating, isn't it? Isn't it? Don't say amen to that. Say yes. (laughs) Because you know what amen means. So be it. So let's don't say so be it unless so be it applies. But so many of us try to do things in our own flesh. We try to, we try to manipulate and control and do all those things. And, and, and God says, listen, without the Spirit of God, you can't do those things. You can't do the things that are going to honor God if you're doing them apart from God. So all these things he's talked about, walking in faith, walking in love, being assured of our salvation, submitting to authority, keeping house, your house in order, constantly rejoicing, praying, and being thankful, when they're done, In the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit, there's a different outcome than if they're done by your flesh. The expanded Bible says this. Do not hold back the work of stifle, quench, extinguish the Holy Spirit. A lot of times in Scripture, the Bible uh, talks about the Holy Spirit in relationship to fire. Matthew uh, 3.11, John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water, but there's one unto repentance. But he who's coming after me is mightier than me whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He's talking about Jesus. He says he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire that purifies. Fire that empowers. See, Paul must have thought that you could stifle the Holy Spirit, you could suppress the Holy Spirit as a Christian. Y'all believe that? Yeah. We can suppress or he wouldn't say not to. (laughs) Right? If you ever want to... Kind of dig a little bit in scriptures. Go, why did he put that there? Because apparently they were quenching the spirit. He said, "Don't quench the spirit. Don't extinguish the spirit. Don't let. Don't put. Don't put out the fire. Don't. Don't do that. Because 
If you do that, you're going to walk in defeat, right? So here's what I want to look at. I want to look at five quickly on five reasons that I came up with, and I know there are many more, of why or how that we stifle or suppress the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we extinguish and put out that fire in a, that God wants to keep alive in us? He wants to keep kindled in us. What are the five of the most common things that would suppress the Holy Spirit within you? Number one is pride. You can take notes if you want to. Number one is pride. When we deal with people in deliverance, trying to get them set free from all sorts of things, pride and, and fear and unforgiveness are probably the top three that we deal with. Pride, but number one is pride. Pride goes before the fall. Listen, you know what pride says about the Holy Spirit? I don't need you, Holy Spirit. I got this on my own. You ever talk to somebody and, and not very long into your conversation, they, you hear the word I, 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 I many times. I this, I this, I beat that, I, I, I managed that, I got, victor- I got victory over that. And they don't mention God. They, they just say, I did this. And listen, they're, they're starting to say, I don't really need God because I can do this on my own. I, I watched Oprah, and man, she gave me all sorts of advice. I can do this. I got this self-help book. I, I listened to this motivational speaker. I can do this. And, and people, they, the I word, if the I word dominates your conversation, there's a problem in your life. I, when you say the I word, vows usually are attached to that that are ungodly vows. I'll give you an example. When my parents, I think I've told you this before, but when I first understood about vows and judgments, I, I didn't know the, the extent of the power that they had to, to suppress the Holy Spirit in my life. But I remember as a, as a teenager, because my mother and dad fought like cats and dogs. My mother was an overly devout Christian. You know what I'm talking about? My dad was not a Christian at all. Man, he liked to do his own thing. And so they would fight, and there was a, there was a constant struggle on a Sunday or a Saturday night where the boys were going to go. We're going to go to the farm with dad, or we're going to have to go to church with mom. And so there was a constant tug, a pull back and forth. And it was not healthy. I'm, I'm telling you that. It was not healthy for all five of us kids. But I made a vow. I made this vow. I said, I am not going to have a marriage like my mother's and dad's. Yeah, that doesn't sound like bad. That doesn't sound bad because I recognized how bad their marriage was, and I didn't want a marriage like that, so it didn't sound that bad. But you know what I had done in the process? I said, I, I can do it without anybody's help. I want to have a good marriage. And the other side of that, I judged my parents. Guess what? You're not supposed to do. Judge your parents. I put my parents down. I'd made judgments on them. I didn't pray for them. I just judged them. And I'm using the old I word. And I had to repent of that vow. I had to repent of that judgment. Oh, about 20 and about 15 years ago when I stepped into this ministry and began to learn about the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of our words, vows and judgments, and how the enemy gets in. So pride is number one. Number two is ignorance. I'm not aware. or we're, Sometimes we're just not aware of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. We're just ignorant of it. We, we don't listen to him, so we're ignorant. Listen, ignorance is... is Even Paul says he was ignorant of some things in the Bible. And when he got, became aware of those things, he changed. The Bible says that my people perish for what? Lack of knowledge. So if you don't have the knowledge, which I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't know about the power of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For many, many years, I didn't. Nobody taught me. It was in the Word. I saw it in the Word. I read it in the Word. But I did just, just didn't jive. It didn't make any sense to me. Until somebody showed me, and they, they made, they made it, they, it became clear to me. 
So just plain ignorance keeps us from, it suppresses the Holy Spirit from what he wants to do in our life. Number three is error. Sometimes we're just not taught about the Holy Spirit. If you come to this church, you're going to be taught about the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit and and the gifts of the Spirit because the Spirit is alive and well. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can't quench the Spirit because the Spirit wants to move in power in this place. Amen? I mean, so many of you have come here because you came to the end. You came to the wall. I mean, you walked into the wall of Christianity, and you butted your head up against the wall and said, is this all there is to Christianity? Because if this is all there is, I'm sunk. I got to that place. Jeff got to that place. My wife got to that place. Many of you got to that place where you just, is this it? Do I still have to stay in this bondage? Do I still have to stay? Is this going to be the way? And when I, when I pray for people, are they just going to stay the same? Or are you going to do something, God? And I just had to come to that place of surrendering and submitting my will to his will. The, uh, the fourth thing is fear. Many people suppress the Holy Spirit just because of flat-out fear. You're afraid of what he's going to do in your life. And God says he is a gift. He says he's going to give you a good gift. Why would we be afraid of the gift of God? Why would we be afraid of the Holy Spirit? You know why some people are afraid of the Holy Spirit? Because old Aunt Susie was one of the pew jumpers and chandelier swingers. And I'll tell you, like I told everybody else, do not try to grab hold of these fans. Unless you want to get a little whirly bird thing going. But I'm telling you, if you can jump these chairs, you're good. That's going to take some talent. But see, those things get, all those things get, uh, they get magnified, blown out of proportion. They're not true, and then people start saying, well, I've heard about this, and I've heard about it. They haven't experienced anything. They just say, I heard about it. So they're fearful of the Holy Spirit. Well, I heard about so-and-so. They pray in this really funny language. Big deal. Seriously. How many of you have got babies, and they speak in a funny language too? You don't kick them out, do you? That's their language. You come to know Jesus Christ, baptism, Holy Spirit, you'll get a language. Most people will get a language, and you may not understand it. Big deal. You think you've got to figure everything else out? You've got to figure it all out? Listen, God doesn't want you to figure him out. If you could figure him out, you would be God. And I'm serious. I don't want any of y'all to be God. Y'all might not have as much patience as him. And his love, much love is him. But there's this fear of the Holy Spirit. Listen, once you can, once you bind up that spirit of fear and let faith come in and fill you up and you say, God, whatever you have for me, I want it. Fill me up. Listen, he'll do it. He did it for me. He'll do it for you. I'm, he's no respecter of persons. You come to the place of saying, listen, I've had enough of religion. I want Jesus. I want everything that happened. Are they screaming in there from the kitchen? <laughs> I heard Misha in there. Yeah! Oh, that's going to be anointed food, I can tell you. <laughs> and the fifth thing is just is an antichrist spirit. It's actually a, a spirit listed in the Bible as one of the spirits. An antichrist spirit 
Antichrist means anti-anointing. And that means people that are actually against the Holy Spirit. If you can imagine Christians saying, I'm against the Holy Spirit. They don't mean it that way. They don't say it that way. But you know how you say it? It's by the what you believe and what you teach. And so if you teach that there's no gifts of the Holy Spirit, that there's no empowering of the Holy Spirit, you are operating in an antichrist spirit. Hmm. What you've done is you've made a judgment of the Holy Spirit. And you said, you can't do this and you can't do that. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. God does not like to be told he can't do something. Y'all believe me? He does not like to be told what he can and what he can't do. He's the Lord thy, He's the Lord God. He can do whatever he wants to when he wants to do it. So those are the five things. Pride, ignorance, error, fear, and an antichrist spirit. Those are the five things that the Lord showed me that may be operating in some of you that have kept you bottled up and has kept the fire at a slow burn instead of a blaze. Jesus was very clear when he informed his disciples about the work of the Holy Spirit. How we miss these scriptures, I don't know. But in John 16, he said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is before he was crucified. He said, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. He was desiring to leave. He, He was going to go to the cross so he could send the Holy Spirit to us. He said, I love it. It says, to your advantage. How many of you like to have an advantage? How many of you want to walk in the advantage? Well, listen, you have the advantage when you have the Spirit of God operating in the fullness of God. And in verse 12, he says, I have many things to say to you, but you can't, you can't bear them all. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. How many of you want to walk in truth? I mean, I want to walk in truth, not in error. Regardless, listen, as we close this morning. Oh, I'm, wow, we're past, aren't we? Man. Let's get fired up and just keep going. Regardless of whether we're in the end times or not, we need the Holy Spirit. Regardless of whether we're in, and I believe we're in the end times, but regardless of whether or not they needed him then 2,000 years ago, we need him today. We need him at full force. We don't need him at half force. We don't need to have him at a fourth force. We need to have him full force. You know, the only way he'll be in full force is if you allow him to have full reign in you. That's called submitting. It's called yielding. People say this all the time, and I understand what they mean by this. More God, more God. I just want more God. I want more God. But they're, they're not willing to submit more. <laughs> they're not willing to yield more. So God said, well, oh, that's a good thing you're saying that, but if you, as long as you keep that sin and that rebellion and that stuff in your life or that antichrist spirit, I can't give you more. There is no room for the more. And he's, he's asking us to yield. Give up more of you so he can become dominant in your life. I must decrease that he might increase. Are you willing to give him more? The Great Commission, Jesus said, go and make disciples, right? Do it, teach them, all to com- and to teach them to obey all the things that I've commanded you. Listen, the Great Commission is awesome. I was taught that denominational churches, that was the mandate. Go and teach, baptize, preach, all that stuff. Man, that's awesome. But Jesus took it a little bit further when he says, but wait for the promise. 
Wait for the promise. In other words, you can do this. I've got this plan. I've got this purpose for you. But without the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be able to do it. He says it in Acts 1.8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The same thing he was in in, in the, the Great Commission. He's going to be with us. But he says, you need the power to go forward and do my will, my purpose in life. God is an all-consuming fire. I'm going to close with this. Y'all go ahead and stand. And y'all been sitting a while. If we could just go ahead and have our, our altar ministry team come. Stand across the front. God is an all-consuming fire. Do y'all believe that? I want to be just real honest with you, especially since football season is starting. Lock the doors. I used to be uh, consumed with the Cowboys. Yeah, I got delivered. I'm, I am, I'm fixing to get serious here. You don't think I've been serious so far. What's consuming you? I used to be consumed with sports, baseball. I mean, I'm not against football. I love football. I love baseball. I love sports. I, I do. I'm not consumed by them anymore. I used to be consumed by things that didn't matter in the kingdom. Are you all listening to me? What consumes you? Because God is an all-consuming fire, which we're talking about. Don't quench the fire. Don't quench the Spirit of God. So if He wants to consume you and something else is consuming you, He's going to have a hard time consuming you if you already got something else on the agenda. I'm not saying, listen, don't leave and say, well, Harold hates football. He hates the Cowboys. He, man, I keep, up with every, I keep up with the Rangers, man. They're in second place now, right behind the Astros. Y'all know that? <coughs> Took over second place last night. I watch it. I, I love I love baseball. I love these things. They don't consume me anymore like they used to. And I don't know what consumes you. It could be your job. It could be uh, it could be good things. I mean, baseball, football, those are good things. It could be good things that are consuming you. God is a jealous God. He wants to consume you. He wants to consume you. He wants you to burn with that passion. The Holy Spirit's fire within you. That when you walk into the room, the atmosphere changes because you're consumed with Christ. You're consumed with his spirit. So this morning, here's, here's the invitation. If Holy Spirit's not consuming you, if those five things that I mentioned, you've suppressed the Holy Spirit or some other reason, here's the thing you need to do. Just repent. Just repent. It sounds like, a whole, oh, I've got to repent. Repentance means letting, the, letting God change the way you think about something. If you've thought that, that this was the most important thing in your life, whatever that was, and God says, no, I should be, most, I should be at the top of the list. Then repent. Say, Lord, I'm sorry I've displaced you. I'm sorry I'm not, you're not consuming me like you used to. Just repent and allow him to move back in. Submit and yield your life to him so he can take over again and consume you in a way that will change, and change your world around you. you. Just bow your heads. Father, this morning, there are many people here 
And I know out of this larger group, 250 or 300 people, Lord, there's some people here that are consumed by everything but you. They're consumed by fear, the world. They're consumed by their enemies. They may be consumed by some awesome good things, but they're not consumed by you. They're not allowing Holy Spirit to move in their lives in a radical way. Father, we bind up a spirit of fear this morning that would keep people from recognizing and letting you inhabit them. And we just lose faith in this place. We bind up pride today. And we just lose humility in this place. People would say, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. We bind up the spirit of error. We lose truth in this place today. The truth of the word has gone forth this morning. They've received it. Father, we bind up an antichrist spirit, a spirit of religion. This is all those things ended 2,000 years ago because they didn't. You're the same yesterday, today, forever. And we lose truth today by the word of God into this place. In Jesus' name. So if you need prayer this morning for anything, salvation, to be filled with the Spirit, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, be prayed for for healing, we would love for you to come now. If you're on the, let me just let you know, on the altar ministry team on this side, we're taking everybody into the ER back there because we're getting that ready for dinner or for lunch. So when people come forward for prayer, please take them to the ER. You guys just take them where y'all normally do. To this side. So if you need prayer, y'all step out and come quickly.